Y'all ready to be history? It's started. Welcome. Hi. 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 Hello, everyone. To the Pro Audio Suite. Thanks to Rode Microphones. These guys are professional. They're motivated. Introducing Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post, Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging, Sydney. Tech to the VO Stars. George the Tech Whitam from LA. And me, Andrew Peters. Voiceover talent and home studio guy. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. This week we're looking at some other part of your kit that uh, we don't really pay that much attention to, really. We're all sort of mic savvy. But what about the preamp? So, what we put together is a, a bunch of my preamps just to uh, see how they do colour the sound of your setup. So, Robbo, you're on the tools with the green button. I'm the panel operator. Um, where are we going to start? <laughs> Let's start here. This is uh, all for of the pre's with your OC18 going through it. And I have normalized all these files to minus 25 LUFs. Uh, the preamp I'm on right now is a Universal Audio LA610. And this preamp is the Grace Design M101, once again, with the OC18. With the same microphone, this is the Neve 1073 DPA. As an example of a USB interface, this is once again the Austrian Audio OC18, uh, this time going through the Rode AI-1. Wow, wow. that's All fascinating. Right. Yeah, so, well, clearly the AI-1 is uh, the darkest. The Neve surprised me as well, how dark that was. The Neve is dark, but it's not as dark as the AI-1. The Grace had definitely a little bit more cut. I couldn't really tell noise. It was hard to see that, see that one, but the Neve was probably... It was definitely darker, maybe smoother. I can see how the word is warmer. The the grace was, I think, more clear. Is um, there any chance that the M one the grace had its eighty hertz high pass filter button pressed in? Oops! It really sounded yes, like it, it did. to me. <laughs> yes, well, <picked. laughs> there you go. And it did Drew. have the high pass filter. Yes, yes. it had. It lacked that bottom octave. Yeah. Um, so it it that even kind of makes it sound artificially clearer if you want to say yeah. it that way. Because yep. when you scoop out the low end, it kind of tilts it to the high end. But it still has that clarity. And 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 that's by design, right? I mean, these preamps were designed in different decades. Well, actually, the 610 and the 1073, were they both in the 60s? Or? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if the 610 had any high-pass filter on it, did it, Andrew? No, no I don't think so. No. Yeah, doesn't have one, actually. And the AIA-1 um, certainly doesn't. I mean, Definitely the AI-1 not. had quite a bit of depth to it, like quite a bit of low end. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of low end, yeah. But the interesting thing is what I've found, uh, because the Grace is probably the most transparent, well, it certainly doesn't have huge amounts of color at all, if any. Right. It actually allowed you to hear what the um, OC-18 really sounded like. That was the interesting thing for me. Well, if you mm -hmm. really listen to it, what it sounds like without a preamp, you won't hear much. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> well, you know, Grace, what they're trying to do, my understanding is, is they they are trying to get as transparent as really realistically possible. Like um, a, a wire know. with gain. Yeah. And so yeah. if you really want to hear what a mic sounds like on a voice, that might be a preamp that you might use. That or, or something you know, of that same design concept, like the Millennia, we also know as as being you know, clinically clean, you know, so. The Hardys. The, the preamp I want to try is a Gordon. Oh, I don't know if you've heard of you, Have you heard of these? It, it's no. interesting because most, most preamps work by having a op amp that has 
full feedback. And then you're really, when you ask for more gain, you're just attenuating less. But really all these preamps are working like full blast. And then you attenuate down. The Gordon basically has a system where it's it's real gain instead of having this infinite feedback loop on one of the chips to create the gain, um, which is about as technical as I can get with it. But um, it does seem to be the sweetheart preamp for a lot of people in Nashville. And I mean, if money and price is any comparison, I believe it's well over a thousand dollars per channel. You know, it's you know, you'd think like an expensive preamp is like five hundred or maybe eight hundred dollars per channel, but these Gordons are definitely more than that. Well, the the Neve is far more than that, and the Neve that's true seventy three yeah. is probably about well, in Australian dollars, two thousand dollars a channel. Yeah, there's another so. way to go too with preamps. So if you want to get as much clean gain as you can, but without as any without any color, but do it really cheaply, there's also the Cloud Lifter. That that gives you about 26 dB of gain just by inserting it into the line. You're, what you're saying is that a preamp running at a low volume, and it's true, it could have less character than a preamp running at like a higher gain stage. But that would right. basically imply some level of clipping or soft clipping in that preamp to give it that color. Um, right. But beyond that, I don't think you're escaping the sound of your preamp by getting a cloud lifter. Yeah, yeah, no, you're yeah. true. It's true. It's just it's the ultimate in simplicity in terms of a circuit. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that something really like basic. an AI one can benefit from a cloud lifter because an AI one has fifty-five, 40, forty-five, <laughs> maybe I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's not been a huge amount. I mean, it does seem to be enough for the task, which is this right here. Um, but uh, you're not going to record. Um, mouse farts with a AI one. Yeah, because I remember when we did the um that session from here with Somerset, we used the AI one and we couldn't get enough. Right. We were trying to push it. it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And then well, the one I'm using right now, in fact, is uh, an NTG five and the SSL two. Mm-hmm. And the reason I got the SSL two was after our conversation, Robert, about um getting trying an audio push interface. That AI one. Yeah. Yeah. To get And then and then you always have to wonder if you're pushing a particular preamp that that loud are you getting into its noisier section? You know, like nothing is designed to always run at full blast. Yeah, we're just talking about character of these preamps right now. We're not talking about distortion. We're not talking about, you know, self-noise. You know, how much noise is in the noise floor of each of them, you know? That's another discussion, really. But if I'm telling an actor what to buy, I always lean towards clean and undistorted. So... Because their job is to capture the audio as it is so that somebody else can make all those judgment calls. Um, so rarely will I recommend to an actor to, to use something with a lot of color or character. Um, you know, that's just my philosophy. I would completely agree. Like something that is also it's easier to recreate or get a similar preamp if something happens. So a preamp that's trying to be less colorful is probably going to give you a more repeatable sound if you do have to be in a different situation. One, one thing I was going to ask is the the UA system just comes right into this because here it is, like here's a clean preamp supposedly and then you can throw these plugins on that emulate two aspects of it. They switch the impedance to match the way the preamp would load down the microphone and then they also apply, you know, whatever filter curves it is to... Yeah. emulate the um, the preamp itself. And, uh, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, how many how many people are using those emulated preamps or even something like I have a 
manly Vox box at home. But then when I'm on the road, I use the manly Vox box emulated preamp in the UA. Yeah. Mm. A lot of people buy that Vox box plugin because it's sort of a legendary preamp. And I think they think it's going to just somehow make them sound better. Magically. Just by transitive properties, <laughs> it's called the manly Vox box. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not many females. Should there be a company it? called yeah. Girly? Yeah, it'll be like girly or yeah, yeah right. right. But I, and I, so consequently, I've dialed in a ton of the Foxbox plugins for people, and that thing has a lot of personalities because you can disable the the transformer in it. So we were talking about the John Hardy that you could choose to have an input transformer or not. The Foxbox can do the same. You can disable it, and it does change its character quite a lot. Um, so. It's kind of hard to, it's not a one size fits all or one trick pony preamp. I think the, I, I've compared in a lot of, in a couple of studios, the Avalon 737 to the Grace. The reason being, I just got tired of replacing tubes and, you know, the light bulb would burn out. They just, you know, they take more maintenance. And so eventually I convinced a few clients to get the M103. That's the channel strip they make, the Grace M103. So it's got a compressor yeah. and an EQ. And we swapped those things in, and not a single studio that they worked with, like nobody noticed, noticed we changed it. Wow, so that just told me that the Avalon is certainly very transparent, right? It, it doesn't have much of a sound to it. It's, people buy those often because they look cool or they got tubes in them, so they must sound cool. And my experience is they just are super clean. They just don't import distortion. They don't have transformers in the circuit they're class a and they're just clean so just because a preamp has tubes and just because it's expensive or boutique doesn't necessarily mean it's going to have character either you have to understand why they're what they're for and why they were designed that way yeah i mean i'll andrew i'll tell you a preamp i'd love to check out which i i think now is possibly in the wheelhouse maybe um because road bought apex right right yeah. and apex made a two-channel like kick-ass preamp, actually. I think it was a two-channel two preamp. I'm trying to remember the exact model that it was. But um, it, I think it had some remote control aspects to it. Because I've got the um, Aphex uh, 1788, which is like an eight-channel preamp. Mm -hmm. they, they had a two-channel that was very fast. And I think it was tube-based. And um, What does that mean when you say it's fast? Oh, um, it... It's able to, you know, if if you think about a waveform for the speaker to move or for air to move from one pressure to the other, it usually has to ramp up and it takes a little bit of time for that to ramp up. And the quicker that that preamp can match that same ramp up time that um, happens acoustically, then it's a fast preamp. It can react quickly. It can go from zero voltage to whatever it is, the output needs to be 10 volts or something, or I'm not sure how much. Um, so it can be quick. Now, the, the good thing about being quick is it's more accurate to what's happening in the real world. Usually, if things are too quick, they, they sound brittle, they sound too clinical. You know, uh, Certainly, if something is not quick enough, it can't do high frequencies as well, but it has a lot to do with just the, the transients. I think they call it the slew rate is the exact technical term you're talking about a fast preamp, it would be, it has a very low slew rate. Slew means like the amount of time it can ramp up its voltage. I see. Is this preamp um, maybe the 207D? 
I don't think it's that one. Okay. Yeah. Because because I know they also made yeah yeah this is is this one based on their tube essence? I'm a tube, but I'm not a tube. Maybe it's a it's from 2008, so it's not very it's not vintage. Yeah, but it's not new new either. Because Aphex had their tube essence technology, which was basically tube sound without a tube. So, mm-hmm. You know, which is I I believe it's that tubes distort at the second harmonic. No, this was a hybrid. instead of the third harmonic. It says it's a hybrid. It had a solid state front end and then a tube output stage. Tube something output like stage. That. It says uh, yeah. uh, the solid state circuit provides low noise with good transmission response, while the tube provides the flavoring. It's not the one that I'm thinking of. It's it's yeah. They're calling it tube essence. That's what it yeah, says. It's tube essence, and, but yeah. they're, they're saying this is with, with a real tube. Yeah. For the output, that's what it says. Yeah, I I've heard interesting things about tubes, like um, that tubes can only really impart a tone when they're driven to distortion. Yeah, that's and, my and understanding. Well, tubes right? tubes done properly are accurate, and in some ways, possibly more accurate than a yeah. Uh, the Avalon Seven Thirty Seven is a is a super clinically accurate. Yeah, preamp. it's it's just a way of amplifying gain. It's not like a tube is inherently. Right. It's it's interesting. All these vintage tube preamps. It's a lot to do with transformers and design and a lot of other things, not just other stuff. The fact that it uses a tube. Yeah, I think it's a misnomer a lot of times that a tube preamp is going to mean it has a fatness, you know, a warmth or a flavor. It's it's just not really true. Well, I think we demonstrated that with um, the two that we use. We use the LA610, which is a, you know, tube-based preamp. Right. And the Neve 1073, which is Transformer. And the darkest one was the Neve. Right. In fact, the LA610 sounded pretty clean to me. It was, um, I was quite surprised how good it sounded. Mm-hmm. Well, can I play you yeah. something that, that interested me? And then I've got a question for you, George. Can, uh, let me play you. So I'll play I've got you the, a question uh, for you, George. You better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think George is probably the, the most equipped to ask it. But um, let me play you this. This is the All OC18 right. through the Neve and then the 41.6 through the Neve. Okay. Okay. So, so the Neve stays constant and the mic changes. Right. Yeah. With the same microphone, this is the Neve. 1073 DPA. This is the 416, also going through the Neve 1073. So then, let me throw you this. This is the OC18 through the Grace. And this preamp is the Grace Design M101. So I'm not sure whether they were too far apart for you to pick it up, but they're remarkably close. The Grace and the The the, 416 through the Neve. Yeah. So the OC18 through the Grace and the 416... Through the Neve, yes. So the point is is how they complement each other. Yeah, so my question for you is matching amps to microphones. Clearly, it can be a bit of an art because, we, well, we all know firstly that you wouldn't match a valve with a valve, right? You wouldn't put a valve mic through a valve preamp. Well, I wouldn't anyway. Why not? Why not? I, I don't know. For me, it oh. would be too, it would get too murky. I had a I had a great preamp or channel, and it was I mean how about this? It was a Sound Deluxe U ninety nine tube amp or tube mic going into a DW Fern tube preamp going into a Summit hybrid tube slash solid state compressor. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, wow. fancy wow. that was nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speed. I I I, um, I have an affinity for Doug Fern because I he his factory quote unquote his barn 
where mm-hmm. he hand built those things was like 10 minutes from where I grew up, you know? So oh, really? I, I used to see him at, you know, like AES and he'd be sitting there in front of his preamp and just sitting there with his big white beard and answering your questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. If, if you've got, if you've got the rack space and maybe the dollars to spare, that's a freaking crazy great preamp. It's a, it's purest in terms of it's point to, they call it a point to point circuit Wiring, yeah. so there's no pcbs you know there's no circuit ports every component is is just a wire from one to the next right so it's extremely purist it's also like four thousand dollars for right i think a mono channel practically or it might be it's, yeah it's up there so you know preamps are a lot there's a lot of voodoo in it a little bit a little bit of mystery some of it is. Some of it is. I I'd like to point something out really quick though. Sorry, yeah. b- before you close it up. Yeah, yeah. The difference in sound between the microphone, if if you if you look at the four sixteen and the OC one eight going into that Neve ten seventy three, and you look at that difference compared to the OC one eight and the Neve ten seventy three and the OC one eight into the say the Grace, the microphone still makes a bigger difference than the preamp itself. I agree. Yes. But it, I, I think the yeah. interesting thing for me is how much the pre can actually color that though. Like you It if, really can. If you yeah. if you're standing in a so if you're standing in a in, in, in your music store and you're lucky enough to have a music store that lets you sample the microphones and you're listening to any mic, you're listening to a mic and you think, shit, I really like the sound of that. But then you take it home and you plug it into your pre and all of a sudden you're going, hang on, that's not what I was hearing in the music store. What's going on? You should have brought your pre to the music store. Well, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? And this, this was my question <laughs> for George, was how do you know if you're setting up a studio, how do you figure out what's going to work? Is there a way or is, it just a, is that just an experience thing? There's so much that we do that is just based on practical practicality. But I have had a client where he wanted everything to be at his fingertips. And so we combined a few different boxes to make the ultimate switcher setup. So he had an SM7B. He had a Sennheiser 416. The preamps, I'm trying to remember what was what. But I think he had a preamp that I installed called a Vorsis M1. It's made by Wheatstone, which is like a broadcast company. Um, and then I think he also had a 737 and there might've been a third preamp. Okay. So he had two mics, three preamps. He didn't want to have to marry himself to one or the other. So I'm not answering your question very well, but I'm going to tell you what we did. We actually combined a switch, two switchers. One's called a gold digger and one's called a cherry picker. Um, they're made by radial engineering. The any radio, input, any output. <laughs> right. So we had any mic going to any pre. And uh, so the, the gold digger is a mic switcher and the cherry picker is a preamp switcher. So we had the output of the gold digger going to the input of the cherry picker. Oh, and then he could, he could choose any combination of anything. Long, long, long story short, I believe he never touched anything. He yeah, never right. <laughs> he was probably too afraid to. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had it all, but he was like, I, I, I don't know what to do with it all. Yeah. But I'm like, I was like, well, that's what you wanted. Information but overload. These switchers allow you that flexibility. Let's say if you really are just like, I, the mic for me is a 41.6, right? But you do have like a Neve and you have a Grace, right? And you yeah. want something that contrasts. Something like the Cherry Picker would let you switch seamlessly between those two preamps and get those two colors at the press of a button 
So uh, do I do that often? No, especially since the Apollo stuff came out. Now you can just mix and match stuff so quickly and readily that it's just it's just changed the game entirely. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not a bit of a. I'm not much of a gear nut when it comes to boutique pre's. I would say Robert for sure would be more so. And most studio engineers tend to be more more interested in in varieties of color because their job is to ha- bring anybody in and get the best sound out of that actor and that performer possible. And my job is just to capture the actor cleanly, accurately, and reliably. Mm. And that's it, mostly. Like So I, I rarely ever lean on anything with color. It's just about clean and low noise. You know what I, I mean? I kind of agree. So, so for me, what it is, if it's music, yes, you can definitely go for color and try to find something that works magically. And there are some definite magic combinations and things that are just like, wow. You have to sit there and mess around and spend time to find it. And then the other approach is just more in post-production where you want to get something that's repeatable, that gives you everything that someone can basically in post-production kind of get closer to whatever sound it is that you need. Because very often in post-production, the the sound changes are more broad strokes. So you're going to record someone, but you're going to end up making them sound like they're in a phone it doesn't matter what preamp you use at that point because I'm just right. going to filter the hell out of it anyways and make it sound like it's coming through a crappy old phone. Um, and so what, what you need more in post-production is a range of options and one that doesn't limit you from any of them. You can, you can always color it easily, more easily than you can uncolor it, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's why it's like don't compress, don't EQ, don't filter, don't gate, don't do any of it, just let it all happen later because it can all happen later anyways. Yeah, the the EQ is uh, not so hard to correct if it's not quite right. If it's really way out of whack, obviously it's not not good. Compression is really hard to correct. I mean, you know, it's bad compression, it's terrible. If the mic is lumpy and has a bad response curve or... That's hard to EQ, you know. The less you have lumps and bumps in the response the much easier it will be for your engineer producer to shape it to yeah. sculpt it i mean you know? i mean less is more and and and, and I, I think for that reason it's like it, i i think it's better to have i mean andrew you, you you do find that that some of your customers are asking for i want this preamp or i want that preamp or i want this mic or i want that mic so they are aware of the differences they're aware of it they yeah. hear it yeah it's interesting because and, and i was talking to george before we um got on on air for this but uh the um the client i have in dubai uh aj who's the engineer there i've i've offered him different combinations of preamps and mics and whatever he's 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 very happy and in fact his favorite one is the oc818 and the neve 1073 and that to me is kind of weird for radio imaging because as robo knows like most people with radio imaging they want super cut through like a 416 and something but he's really happy with that so i i gather he's set up a template he just plops it in bang and out it goes and he's got enough information from that file that he can pretty well do whatever he wants to do with it oh god yeah the ocna will give you all the information right i yep. mean it's really accurate not hyped not bright not sibilant not harsh you know it's just a it's just a real nice sounding mic. I'm not going to call it flat. It's not technically flat, but 
And then, you know, running it through 1073, it just has just enough of that something that he likes. And so it works for him. So it's, it's at the end of the day, you know, when you get to a point in your career where you're at, you start to look for ways to provide a service somebody else can't. Yeah, true. Most other voice actors can't do that. They either don't know how to, could care less, can't afford to, or whatever. They just don't have that, the, the, the gear or the, just the, they don't care. You know, it's like, it's on to the it's next. Definitely, it's definitely in the minutiae. I mean, I would argue minutia, that, yeah. I'd argue that Andrew would still have the gig if he only had his grace and his 416. Yeah. But um, there's something about that, that Andrew is putting that little bit of extra. Mm-hmm. You know, the, as, as Frank Zappa put it, he puts the eyebrows on it. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this guy, I like that. He he cares and he's got a couple chains and he gave us some options. So, you know, you, you never know what it is that keeps you a repeat client Reliable. coming right. back. And But that could be that thing for some clients, you know. I mean, your voice and your talent gets you in the door, but your level of production value, quality, consistency is what keeps them coming back over and over and over and over and over. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, do you have a favorite uh, on, on your setup? Because I, I liked your uh, your Gefell mic. I thought that was a great sound. Yeah, I you remember... liked the, that was the tube Gefell, wasn't it? That that was the yeah. MT, uh, the M92.1. 92.1, right. Yeah. Yeah, that thing sounded great. Yeah, that's a great mic. It is a really good mic. It's actually very noisy. Not that that's a major issue, because I'm sure no one's going to hear it particularly anyway. Only the most fastidious of engineers are going to pick up on that. But um, no, I, I must admit, I, since we've been playing with the, the OCs, the 18 and the 818, I'm pretty well, that's it for me. I, I'm, I've hit that and I'm really happy. I, I Do you really know how many times I've I heard think... you say that? <laughs> that's, that's it for me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and, then like, and then like a month later, it's like, oh... I just got sent this microphone. Just, you guess what hear I just it. got sent. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Yeah. There is a personality flaw involved in any comment I make. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, just a little bit more marketing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Child but in the candy <laughs> shop. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because I, I took out the, um, the shotguns out the booth and, uh, and I used the M101 and the 18 and that... Um, that's my sort of like cut through one. That's the setup. That's yeah. your happy place. I yeah. I'll be honest. When when you switched over to that four sixteen, it's like Andrew's jumping out of the speakers more. That that four sixteen has that reach, and I know it has a little bit of a snarly edge compared. It's but funny, I, I isn't it? Like I think the, it's uh, just the sound that we're all used to. I think that's the biggest thing. Pops. I out was more. just having that conversation with somebody. Yeah, it's why the oh yeah on this week in Radio Tech. I just got to be on this really great you know show that's been like 12 years running or something and I, we, talked, we talked about that mic and I said, I think it's the mic because it's been it's momentum. It's been in the production chain of voiceover since the 70s in LA, and at least in Hollywood. Yeah, And so it's been heard just millions of times and I think it just imprints itself on your brain. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just become a familiar sound and everything inherently Oh, we're just we're we're not even doing conscientiously, but we're comparing it to that. Mm. It's the benchmark. Yeah, absolutely. It's a benchmark. Well, so, benchmark's a different company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> so, Robert, you you actually preferred the sound of the four one six through the ten seventy three, 
or forty-one-six, I should say. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. That like you know, notice the difference that the microphones themselves have. It's a much bigger impression difference than the uh, um, than the preamps. And I I do think that the four-sixteen, while I know it's not accurate, it has a certain bigger than life, jumps out kind of aspect to it. That I I don't know if you guys heard it too, but to me, the four-sixteen was just like had more of a, like, for lack of a better word, like, bam. There it was, like, in your face. The And the OC18 was more mild-mannered, you know, probably would have hyped it up or something and brightened it up and made it do something that maybe the 416, I probably wouldn't have EQ'd it as much as I would have the OC818, I think. Hmm. Just imagining that voice, like, in a spot or in, you know, what I do a lot. Yeah. Oh, well. Thanks to the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging. With tech support from George the Tech Wizard. Help us share the show with more people and get your hands on exclusive content by contributing to our Patreon page. See patreon.com forward slash Pro Audio Suite. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say g'day, drop us a note at our website. The Pro Audio Suite. Dot com.